What is up, everybody? Welcome into Locked on Tigers. I am your host, Chris Castellani. It is Monday, September 14th, 2020. No Tigers game is going to be played today, so I will probably spend pretty much this entire show recapping the weekend series against the White Sox. Tigers swept by the Southsiders. A pretty ugly, ugly series, all things considered. And, and maybe a little bit in segment number two. I'll just talk about this season as a whole, because I think even the, the biggest slappies in the world are have come to terms with the fact that the whole playoff dream was dashed this weekend, came to a, a, a massive halt thanks to several beatdowns at the hands of the Chicago White Sox. But we'll start with the humble beginnings in Game 1. Tigers lost that one 4-3. to three. There were some positive developments in that game. Easily, easily the best start of Casey Mize's young career, five and a third innings, only one hit, had a no-hitter going through five, two earned runs, two walks, and five strikeouts. He looked like not necessarily a better pitcher in terms of stuff, but a smarter pitcher in terms of pitch selection. It's what Dan Petrie talked about. It's what I talked about as well. Less predictable as a pitcher. It seemed like in his first four starts, he was kind of a victim of his own success, or at least the success that he had in his first outing where he was throwing that splitter so effectively with two strikes, it seemed like he'd gotten a little bit too predictable when getting ahead in two-strike counts and was throwing that splitter a bit too often. You saw him starting off counts with splitters and cutters and curveballs, and he was very unpredictable as a pitcher, which is what you gotta be. It seemed like he was trusting his stuff a bit more, throwing strikes more consistently. It was a massive step forward for Casey Mize. And much like with Scooball and Manning when he gets here and some other guys in this organization, stuff will not be the issue until, knock on wood, uh, there's some sort of injury that could prevent that. There's a reason this guy was the number one overall pick out of college. Like, he he has unbelievably nasty stuff, a, a remarkably solid repertoire of pitches that he can throw consistently for strikes when he wants to. And we saw that on full display against, in my opinion, the best lineup in the American League, arguably, in baseball on Friday. I thought he was great. Now, you jump ahead to the sixth. I've discussed this ad nauseum, but I'll continue to do it. In the sixth inning, after giving up a walk and then a double, and then I think a ground out, an RBI ground out to second base, Garden Hire decided to pull Casey Mize. Look, five starts into Casey Mize's career, I have no problem with that decision. The thing is, as a manager, for the most part, now there are exceptions and I'll I'll discuss those exceptions, the moves you make as a manager are anticipatory moves. Like, you don't pull the pitcher after he's given up a single, a double, and a three-run home run. You pull him after he's given up the, the single and the double because you know he's starting to lose it. Now, if there's a Verlander on the mound or a DeGrom on the mound or, hell, even a Lucas Giolito on the mound, right? A guy who's got a proven track record throwing what he needs to throw in high-leverage situations, then you keep him out there. But when you have a guy who's only five starts into his career going up against what was going to be the heart of the White Sox order, the next batter he was about to face, and this, to me, kind of negates any argument people might have had of keeping him in the game. The next batter was Tim Anderson. What do you think was going to happen? Tim Anderson has murdered the Tigers. In a 60-game season, Tim Anderson has dominated the Tigers more than any player I have ever seen do in a 162-game campaign. He was just unbelievable this year against Detroit. Third time through the order, I think Guardy made the right decision, personally. And, and there is also the cop-out answer of, 
eh, 60 game season, who cares? But even if you're somebody who believes that he's not going to be able to grow as a pitcher, he did grow. He, his stuff was better. His performance was better. His pitch selection was a lot better. I felt like he, he did grow as a pitcher. You don't necessarily, that, that is not a, a principle that holds a lot of water when you say, oh, you need to throw him out to the fire. He needs to get rocked in order to learn something. What's he going to learn? How to get hit? where not to throw the ball, and I had people in my mentions being like, well, Verlander went six plus innings in his first five starts, and Porcello went six plus innings in his first six starts, completely uncomparable. First of all, the game has changed so much over the last 11 to 14 years, right, when Verlander and Porcello were were rookies, respectively. It's not fair to compare them, and two, and two, 11 years ago, there wasn't a pandemic. 11 years ago, there was a minor league season and and a more fluid, you know, all-in-one take spring training. There wasn't a three-month hiatus because there was a worldwide pandemic going on. It's unfair to compare them. I think it was the right move. And yes, you got to point it out. Cisnero came in and spit it up. He hit Anderson on an 0-2 pitch, then gave up a three-run home run to Eloy Jimenez. Those are the things that happen when you have a bad baseball team. You cough up leads, especially an offense that is so lethal. You cannot give this team free outs on the south side. You you just can't. They had Anderson in the hole 0-2. He hits him with a fastball like a moron. He didn't do it on purpose, obviously, but it was a dumb pitch. Eloy comes up, parks a three-run shot, game over. Tigers end up losing that game. It was it was a frustrating game because there was some good things. Daz Cameron got his first major league hit after looking and has continued to look absolutely overwhelmed at the plate. He looks really bad, but a really solid at-bat, two RBI Single to right field off of Lucas Giolito gave the Tigers a 3-0 lead at the time. And Cisnero came in and they fell apart. Tigers ended up losing game one. And one thing about this year's team that I have complimented them for, and I don't take it back, I don't I don't regret it, was that unlike previous seasons, even going back to the Leland and Osmus eras, honestly, it never felt like they lost one game twice. Like I, I think even over the last couple of years, as bad as they've been, there's been times when they've lost close games, they've blown a few leads, and it seemed like there was some bleed over into the next game. I hadn't felt like that with this team until now, because I think that they felt like they let a game slip away on Friday, you come back on Saturday, the offense was absolutely anemic. I mean, Ronaldo Lopez, who has great stuff, but has struggled a whole lot over the last couple of years, he's great when he knows where the ball is going, it's just the problem is he rarely ever does. He threw five scoreless innings, the offense was terrible, only five hits, got shut out. You lose 14 to nothing. The big story, though, outside of the fact that the White Sox offense is just completely loaded, Michael Fulmer had, in my opinion, the worst start of his career. It was the worst I'd ever seen him. Two and two-thirds, nine hits. Five runs, one walk, one strikeout. Well, he gave up a lot of hard contact. You can make the argument he got bat-bipped a little bit, but that that gets thrown out the window when you're not missing bats. Like Garrett Cole getting bat-bipped, it's like, well, that's kind of strange, right? Garrett Cole strikes out a lot of batters, but when you allow guys to work counts, when you allow guys to put the ball in play with two strikes or when they're behind in counts, that, that's what happens. Hitters are smarter today in baseball than they have ever been. Don't let anyone try to convince you otherwise. Look, we're approaching the end of this season. It's obvious we're not going to see much improvement out of Michael Fulmer, right? His ERA right now is at 9.27. That's a real, even in a 60-game season. And it's hard to judge improvement necessarily in such a short time span, but that's what I wanted to see. I wanted to, I wanted to see the stuff improve. I wanted to see... Uh, him as a pitcher improve. I wanted to, by the end of this season, see him going four or five innings a start. He can't get through three. I brought this up a couple days ago. This is an easy task. Michael, give us three innings. 
He can't do that right now. The stuff isn't very good. He's not striking guys out. He's giving up hard contact. And I said this in my post game, and I'll shout it from the rooftops because it's one of the only things that has happened this season that truly angers me. I've been apathetic more than I haven't been. This downright frustrates me. The Tigers have ruined Michael Fulmer. Michael Fulmer, when he was acquired by the Tigers, was a guy who everyone knew had great stuff, but durability people thought was an issue. He'd had Tommy John in the past, and they overpitched this guy. Not so much in 2016, I think they handled him well. 2017 and 2018, meaningless games. To me, in those seasons, seasons when they were openly tanking, seasons when they had no intention of being good, the second, the very second you find out that your ace pitcher, who you chose in 2017 not to trade, which you know what, hindsight is obviously 2020, hindsight was a bad decision, I was fine with it. But when you have an ace pitcher, the second you hear that he's got an injury, I don't care if it's a foot injury, an elbow injury, or a head injury, you sit him. You shut him down. I think both those years they chose not to do that was a front office and managerial malpractice. And and you have a guy who at best could have been a long-term ace for you, but even at worst could have been a remarkable trade piece in the heart of a rebuild. You ruined him. Maybe Michael Fulmer will find something as a reliever, right? But right now, and you can say I'm overreacting, I've seen enough, dude. He's made a lot of starts already this year. I'm not seeing a guy who's going to be a starter at the major league level ever again. At least not a consistent one. At least not a good one. At least not even a guy who can give you innings. What's he offering right now? You look at baseball savant, he is in the bottom 10%. I went over this the other week in like every category. It's it's heartbreaking to watch. And I know it it, it, it pains him. I like Michael Fulmer. I'll always like Michael Fulmer. A, a truly ugly thing to watch seeing him get rocked the way he's gotten rocked. So that'll do it for segment one. When I come back, I'm going to recap yesterday's game and and talk about where this team stands currently as a whole. We'll be right back. Okay, so we are back. Tigers lost Sunday's game yesterday by a score of 5-2. In my opinion, the most boring game of the season. Uh, I know they had a 1-0 lead early on, but once the White Sox made it 1-0, and the second, I knew it. I saw the writing on the wall. You could tell. You can tell with Spencer Turnbull. You can tell what kind of start he's going to have. You you know whether or not he's going to have it or he's not. You could tell early on he wasn't going to have it. Command wasn't great. Gave up a lot of hits. You know that's Turnbull in a nutshell. And, and I like the guy a lot. I think he's got a, a high ceiling here. But as many steps as he's taken in terms of giving him innings, every so often you'll still see 2019 Spencer Turnbull which is a guy who still has a whole lot of work to do, both in terms of, of, of mechanics and in terms of strike throwing. It was as predictable a ball game as we've seen all year. At the very least, the 14 nothing game and the 19 nothing game against the Brewers, but who, by the way, got no hit yesterday after scoring 19 this week against the Tigers, those weren't boring games. Those are fascinating losses. It's, it is. It's the 5-1, 5-2 losses during the end of the season. Those are the ones that I don't even know what, what angle to attack it at. So pretty much, I, I've... I think we can admit finally that the Tigers' chances of punching their ticket to the postseason are done. I never bought into it. I said after my postgame, after game one, they had no shot. I think I was pretty steady with that take all year, and I was right. Teams with bad players don't get better because they play fewer games. And they're, what, five and a half or something out right now? You know, they, a miracle will have to happen. They'll have to sweep the Royals, who have won six in a row. And then they're going to have to win some games against the Twins. And the Indians, I don't see that happening. 
So we find ourselves here. This team is 20 and 26 currently. It's it's not an intriguing ball club. And I think that's reflected when you look at some of the response I've gotten on my post-game videos over the last couple weeks. Uh, people are just indif- people are indifferent at this point. Last year's team, as bad as they were, were amazing with their awfulness. There was something borderline entertaining about how, how terrible they were, the depths they would sink to. And you know what? That team... Uh, they they showed their butt near the end of the year. They lost as many games as possible. They they fell into Spencer Torkelson. That's the way you do it, boys. 114 losses. This year, that they've tried to scratch and claw, and they are better, but there are still a whole lot of guys on this team who other ball clubs wouldn't even consider employing. One thing I I, I haven't talked about much. I don't. There is no pair of catchers in baseball. Worse for any team than the Grayson Griner, uh, Austin Romine uh, one-two punch that the Tigers have right now. And I know I've kind of been uh, somewhat impressed at points with Austin Romine. Austin Romine is a very good backup catcher, right? Because he can come off the bench. You know, he can he can get hits for you every so often, right? He stays relatively healthy, but let's not act like he's good here. He's got a career war of what one in what six seven years. Stop. And Grayson Griner, we know is terrible. And I asked, I put it out, I put the question out on Twitter. Has, has there been a worse duo of catchers ever in baseball than Griner and Romine together? And everyone pointed out, and there was a fair point last year when the Tigers had the, the combination of Griner and, and Jake Rogers. That's true. The one reason I, I view this year's combo as a bit more pathetic is that at least with Rogers and Griner, those are both guys who came up through the system where it's like, you sign a guy in Romine under the belief that he's going to be your starting catcher, and he's not. He's not a starting catcher. He's a backup. And he could be an effective backup, but neither one of these guys, to me, are good enough defensively to be considered elite backups, and they sure as hell aren't good enough offensively to be good starters. So if you want to know why I haven't gotten excited about that little run they were on, that's why. Teams who care about where they're going don't employ guys like that. We are still in the dark ages, and and two weeks from now, I I, I know exactly what I'm going to say. I'm going to have a a, a long-winded rant, both in my post-game, even though that can't really be long-winded, and on here talking about the fact that this year should be the end of it. I am so done with the tanking. This season has been very uninteresting to me, like even more so than last year. And people disagree with me, and I'm not saying there haven't been positive developments. There have been a few exciting things, but the sheen of seeing Mize and Scooball up here has worn off. I, I like watching them pitch. Uh, I, I, I am more excited to see when they're on the mound than any other day, for sure. But now they're just going through the motions. You know, whatever playoff push they were trying to make, that's done. You know, it is it is amazing to me. Maybe it's just 2020 and the exhaustion of this year taking over, but it's worn me down personally. Like, like I feel like we've experienced a 162, and I know we haven't. It's very strange. So, I apologize for all the negativity. There's no game to preview today because the Tigers are off. I'll preview their next series against the Royals starting tomorrow, but that will do it for today's show. You can follow me on Twitter at Castellani2014. That's at C-A-S-T-E-L-L-A-N-I-2014. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Tigers. While you're at it, go to Apple Podcasts, go to iTunes, leave a positive review of this show. It would be much, much appreciated. And also, I have a YouTube page. Subscribe to that. I review movies, and I like doing it. Unlike my Twitter videos, which have gotten progressively less fun, to be honest with you. I'm not doing great.
I don't know what my deal is, man. I don't know what I don't know what my problem is right now. But uh, I'll be back here tomorrow, just trying to do the best I can to entertain you guys. Thank you very much for listening. Have a great rest of your day, and go Tigers.